bitch, I ain't on the move No staples in my shoes, I keep it cool Don't pack a two, but bitch, don't play me like a fool I said, I'm on the move No staples in my shoes, I keep it cool Don't pack no two, but bitch, don't play me like a fool Cause no bitch moves Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Say in the Water podcast, full of conversations around working with spirits, black gender, Islam, hoodoo, the end of the world, and beyond. It's not called Say in the Water because I'm in the water while I'm recording. Ain't nobody got time for that. Here, we honor water as movement, as the spiritual realm, as balance, as being restoration, feelings, dreams. We honor water as holding inner worlds, trying to keep a cool head in this ugly ass world, and really incorporating all of these different things as life practice. That is Tay in the Water. Now, welcome. Welcome to my podcast. And now we can go, y'all. Hi everybody, Assalamualaikum. I hope y'all been good. I hope y'all have been well and eating, um, specifically nourishing foods. If y'all had access to that, I hope y'all did. I hope y'all been spending time with family. I hope y'all's Black History Month has been going smoothly. I know it's been some some weird ass shit um, that's been happening, but I hope y'all been able to ignore that shit and uh, you know let it not disturb you. I have been working both in the city, so in Detroit, and also out of state. I've been, you know, back with my family to support them and myself in spiritual discipline and, you know, really just like shaking up the house um, as we were instructed to by our spirits. And um, yeah, it's been a whole bunch of shit that's been going down, but in in a beautiful way, I would say. Um, Last month, also, I had, I ended up having a gathering, and if you follow me, like, online, then you know a little bit about it, um, even though I forgot to take pictures, but anyway, um, yeah, I had a celebration gathering, um, that was supposed to be for my loved ones, my friends and my family, um, to celebrate, you know, me graduating, being released from that evil-ass institution is what I was saying, um, because, you know, it's, it's good to be out for multiple reasons, but people need to know that, you know, these these schools actually ain't shit. Um, and so it was to celebrate the accomplishments, too, um, of mine, myself. Um, but also, it was like that was like the external thing of why I had it. But I really had that event because um, it was a time to reintroduce myself to, to everybody to really make sure we were all on the same page. Right. So, so yeah, like my loved ones, like my friends, you know, were there, but also it was a time for family, people who I don't talk to like that, um, to really just be in the same space, meet each other and to really just catch everybody up, you know, on the same page. Like I think when, especially when it comes to family, I would hear, you know, I'm so proud of you and, you know, you're doing good things and all these things like that. Um, and I, you know, thank you. I'm like, thank you. Um, and I do mean it. Right. But what it has felt like for, uh, you know, these past two years is sometimes I'll be like, you know, do you even know what you're proud of? (laughs) Because it's like, and I know that they don't, I know that some of them don't. And so, 
I was like, you know, y'all see that I'm here. Um, you see clearly I haven't died yet. You see that I'm shining and, you know, I'm doing all these good things that there's like some recognition that's happening and what have you. But, you know, do you even know what it is that I do or, you know, anything about my, my purpose and my personality? Right. And so, you know, these are questions that I actually asked, you know, to everybody during the, during the gathering. Um, and then I spent time, you know, catching people up on what I've been doing these past few years, what types of research, you know, that I've been involved in, what events I had been organizing, initiatives I've started, and also what's next for me, right? Like in terms of fulfilling my destiny more deeply. And people also had space to ask questions and, you know, give wonderful comments. People were asking about, um, you know, my connection to my spirits and, uh, and that was really cute because it was like black elders who was asking like, you know, how, how did this get started for you? And, you know, and just being really honest. And that's what I wanted. Um, there was also an ancestral altar that was set up and people got the opportunity to give different offerings and things like that. And um, that was cute. It was mostly friends who had brought uh, who had brought those offerings and they knew what was up. Um, and, yeah, it was a very beautiful experience. And then there was... Um, time to let people know um especially family like when it comes to shit like um like my field which is criminology uh and like the stuff that I've been researching like letting people know you know understanding the history of police as slave patrols and anti-native militias when it comes to understanding understanding police abolition and prison abolition and combating horophobia violence against sex workers you know that they can come to me for resources and you know that don't mean that I'm going to be here to sit and debate because that's not what this is. That's not what this is at all. But instead, you know, saying that, you know, this is what we need to be about. This is what I'm about. This is what we need to be about collectively. Um, again, making sure we're all on the same page. And if you need help getting there, then I'm down to offer support and resources because this is not negotiable, especially if you want to continue being, you know, deeply a part of, a part of my life, right? Um So yeah, that was something that happened um, just last month, like at the end of last month when I got back in town. Um, And I also had told people at that gathering too, you know, this would not have happened. Like this gathering would not have happened, Um, you know, had, had my spirits, it it was, it, it came up in conversation with a friend of like the possibility of me having this type of gathering. And I was like, girl, no, like, <laughs> I was like, no, what, why would I do that? You know, I'm just not the type of person to really host like that many gatherings like that, um, you know, where we rent a place out and, you know, do all these different things. Um, but especially like when it comes to celebrating myself and one of my friends um, was like, uh, they were like, it's like you're allergic to celebrating yourself. And I was like, damn, that's kind of real. But um, I didn't actually take the idea seriously of, you know, starting this event or having this event um, until my spirits was like, no, like you do need to take this a little seriously because you need to give people room to celebrate you. You need to give people the space to celebrate you because you don't do that enough. I just be, you know, moving and, you know, even when I'm resting, I'm still not like, you know, actively giving people the space to celebrate me. And I feel like historically I have been the type of person to um, you know, accept compliments, but accept them very like quickly. Um, so I can move on because there's like this discomfort that I would be dealing with, um, where it's like, 
you know, I don't really know how to respond to this. So I'm going to just hurry up and breeze through and, um, you know, maybe even deflect. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, they wanted some progress with that. And so um, this happened. This event happened. And it was beautiful, you know. It was very beautiful. So I wanted to tell you about that a little bit. Um, but today I want to spend some words, spend some time saying a few words on... Um, Black entitlement, which you saw in the title when you click this, most likely, if you be reading stuff, unless you just be clicking stuff, because it's okay if you do that. But, you know, black entitlement, right? So what is that? Um, first, of, first off, I want to say that the biggest lie that I've ever been told was that the world didn't owe me anything. And I understand why he was told, right? It, it gets told all the time, and especially to black and brown kids and especially to black children, you know. I understand why it was told, right, to make black children have very little to no expectations for, you know, basically receiving good things in this world because of all the shit we're going to have to go through. Um, you know, it's said in the name of protecting black children. It's it's made to seem It's made to seem like easier to diminish any hope or entitlement that, they could possibly have so they don't get crushed as easily by the reality of anti-blackness but that was the biggest lie period like that's something that I'm never gonna pass on to my children you know the world doesn't treat me like it owes me anything and that's a big ass difference (laughs) that's a big ass difference and I would have continued thinking that the world didn't owe me shit if my ancestors didn't straight up just tell me to be an entitled ass person You know, of course they teach me about humility, but they also teach a lot about entitlement, right? Part of their instructions for me in the past was that they wanted me to practice feeling entitled to more things. Like black people, we shrink, we shrink ourselves so much and we minimize our feelings or just set them aside so that we can be, you know, whatever anybody else wants us to be or needs us to be, right? Especially black femmes, you know, they be trying to work us to death, child. They be, they be trying to, you know, just convince us like they've convinced themselves that you know we only matter within the context of supporting them when when we matter in in the context of supporting you know non-black people or people who just you know are not black femmes pretty much right they don't care about us actually living and black people are constantly taught to give up ourselves and our rights to taking care of ourselves because we're told and shown in these worlds that you know nothing good will come from that and that's just not true that is not true at all and once my spirits had told me that shit to be more entitled it was like something was relieved from me another part of me was opened up after that you couldn't tell me shit like you could you could tell me some things right like you could tell me some things but you couldn't you know and we are owed everything that we are owed everything. There is absolutely a difference between the world not owing us anything and the world just treating us like they don't owe us anything. And I'm going to continue to remember and spread, you know, the gospel that people need to pay what the fuck they owe. And this even goes with my philosophy when it comes to money stuff, right? Like financial things, right? So when shit comes up and I didn't budget for it, there's no reason why I should be paying for it. <laughs> that's that's how I have felt, like, or how I have come to feel. You know, especially if it's a big-ass amount. There's no reason why that shit can't be covered by somebody else who's not black, who can afford it just fine, period. Like, even if they ain't got the money, they can still do something to help. They can help fundraise for me, you know? 
Um, when it came to raising money, like for the, when it came to the graduation party or whatever that I was just telling you about, the celebration gathering, I wasn't trying to pay for that myself. And my mom, I wasn't trying to have her pay for that as well because she really wanted to have something like this too. It was part, partially her idea as well and a friend's idea. Um, and, you know, there was like the cost of hall rentals, you know, for a few hours. There's the cost of money. How are you going to get that money? Gas, like all these different things, right? Um, why should we have to pay for that, you know? Especially if you ain't got it like that. Why? Why should you have to? When it came to that, raising money for like, you know, my birthday last year. Um, even when it came to attending a funeral, I had to attend a funeral um, a few months ago. You know, and I was down south. I needed a whole last plane ticket within just a few days, right? Um, and that shit is expensive as hell, especially if you're not, you know, doing that in advance, like uh, way more in advance than just a few days. And, you know, especially when it comes to funeral funerals for loved ones, right? For family, a part of anti-blackness is disrupting family lines and genealogies, right? It's not, so it's like I raised money for me to get that plane ticket as well because, you know, one, like that's not something that I expected. Of course not, right? That's not something I expected to have to buy the ticket to go to a funeral because I didn't expect for, you know, this person to die um, at that time, right? Um, but it's like, it's not about to come at the cost of myself to go be with my family and to both mourn and celebrate the life of a family member, right? Um, so yeah, of course I raised money to, and they didn't cover all of those expenses. It did not, right? Um, unfortunately, but that my point is, is that is, is pointing out like how like this philosophy, it goes down to so many different aspects of my life. And I'll continue talking about that too, right? Like I get to be entitled to non-black people's income because black people get to be entitled to non-black people's income. The fuck? We we are owed everything. And there was a time last year um, also where this really bomb black disabled trans person I had met, they was online and they was talking about how a white person had put them on their credit line um, and then how like their their score jumped instantly and that helped them secure good housing. And, you know, I was talking about like, oh my God, like we need more of that. That's wonderful, you know? Um, like co-signers for rentals, people adding us to their credit lines if we need it. All these things, like non-niggas need to get creative, okay? And this ain't no radical shit, you know? It should be the norm. You know, if they say they about this life, then they need to be about it, period. And that credit goes to Layla. That's, um... Layla from Ori Gallery in Portland, by the way. That was them who made that post about the credit line. And I was just like, wow, that's great. Um, and shout out, by the way, to the niggas in Portland. Because I don't know what it is, but the black queer people over there, y'all built different. I don't know what it is. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's got something to do with the fact that Oregon literally ain't let no black people into their state for a long ass time. I don't know. The black history there is interesting as fuck from what I learned. But support Ori Gallery because it's owned by black queer people centering blackness. They do events supporting youth, okay, lending their space for different black organizers and the events. And they just be supporting local black trans artists and all of that. So, yes, support them. Ori Gallery. But anyway, to continue, we will never fully get back what we are owed, right? Like, we should know this, too. 
Um, like when we think of reparations, for example, it's often seen as financial payments coming to us from like colonial governments. But, you know, money is not all that we lost. We've lost families. We've lost languages. We've lost um, rights to our bodies and agency. We have lost rest. We've had joy stolen from us, time stolen from us, time to grieve specifically, right? All these different things. And so money sent to us, no matter who it comes from, will never actually repair, right? Like any of that violence committed against us. But that show as hell don't mean that we shouldn't be getting money or that it doesn't matter, you know, while this economic system still exists. But we do got to grapple with all the different ends of that, right? Um, but I, I really just want us to stop getting money from white people and other non-black people and calling that shit reparations. Like, it will never be enough. Like, keep getting money from them, but don't you ain't got to call it reparations. Oh, God, you ain't got to do that. Because you know what? They owed that shit anyway. <laughs> they owed that shit anyway. Um, and let me see. Yeah, like, those are just... Those are just personal payments, girl. They owe that shit anyway. Um, and then also, when it comes to black entitlement, I had made a post last year too saying to please just let non-black people do shit for black people for free. Especially if they just offered it. Because we, we too nice. We are too nice. You know, one, because kindness and generosity is just how we be doing things, you know, across black cultures. But also because, again, of like what was mentioned earlier, a shrinking to give space for others, engaging in this tradition that comes from a place of anti-blackness. Black people need to always know that we deserve free shit. We deserve free things all the time. And that post I had made was right after um, I had came across this girl's tweet about offering free translating services for Black-owned beauty supply stores because so much of the market for that type of work is dominated by Korean uh, Korean communities. And I was like, I read it and I was like, okay, you know, I wasn't hyping it up too much because, you know, like that's the baseline, like <laughs> that's the bare minimum that you could be doing. Um, or that is something that is bare minimum that you could be doing. And I wish I could remember who I first learned this from using this specific language, but I know of course it was a black femme, but I don't remember their name, but I remember this person who was speaking about how like oftentimes we just so fucking grateful and and going overboard with the most basic ass behavior being displayed towards us coming from our oppressors and like how like when when that happens um when we respond in that way like it's it's a symptom of abuse you know um to take situations like that and to and and this person was talking about like the importance of taking situations like that seriously because it is indicative of how you know we are rarely treated with basic decency you know like people will do people there will be like white people or you know non-black people in general who will do something wear a black lives matter shirt um I don't know or like they'll just do something so bare minimum and you know there will be some black folk who will be like oh my god they are so aware they are so aware wow they're such an ally invite us to the cookout you know, like there's always some of us who say some shit like that, but it's no need for all of that. You know, it's no need. It's no need. Like that's the bare minimum, actually less than the minimum too. Like they beneath the floor. It's just so much that is said um, in response to non-black people of color and white people doing these things that show the tiniest bit. These things, they be doing stuff that show the tiniest bit of allegiance to, to you know, black people. Um, and barely that, I don't even know, that might even be a strong way of putting it because that's, I don't know, that's 
what it is, but a lot of it is performing. But really, it's a lot of the ways of like how we respond that just translate to, you know, oh my God, like, thank you for not spitting on me today and calling me the N-word. Thank you for doing, for, you know, not committing an overtly anti-black crime against me. Like when it really ain't got to be like that, you know, we don't need to be so damn grateful for shit that was supposed to be happening in the first place. Of course, they should be saying that Black Lives Matter. Duh. Like, you know, I would beat your ass, you know, if you not believing that shit. But, um, but yeah, like, uh, whoever it was who made that post, I really found that, um, like to be something just like beneficial to hold on to, or like to, to think about, to process, like, you know, when we're, when we're displaying that type of behavior, um, not that we should be blamed for that shit. Absolutely not. Cause we need to be supporting ourselves. But, um, but when we display that type of behavior, you know, towards our oppressors are so grateful to them. Like that's not to recognize like where that's actually coming from, you know, what that actually is representative of. Right. So I mentioned this because back to that post that I had saw about that girl, the person, the person who was offering free translating services for black owned beauty supply stores. Um, I go to that post and I'm like, okay, that's whatever. I'll look at the comments. And of course there's this whole row of just cis black men commenting, right? They're commenting, really hyping her up, but especially more than they hyping her up, they're talking about how she needs to start charging. And I'm like, so appalled but not shocked because you know cis black men black men be just on something else just the weakest thing i'm telling you i wish i wish y'all wasn't like that but you know it's hard it's hard out here but i was so appalled because i'm like you know for what for what why she needs to start charging and like why is she even talking like black women make up such large amounts um large ass amounts of like why these beauty supply stores remain open and you don't want for black people who seek to have their own stores which is also mainly black women to get the support they need for free you know that's just wild and it's like let's be clear you know ain't nobody saying that that that's not labor because it is of course it is translating is you know very important that can be helpful um but to bring context into the situation would that person have offered it in the first place, you know, had there not already been black people online repeatedly telling y'all to not assault us when we shop and revealing that non-black people of color work really hard to get rid of us when we try to be a part of specific markets? Would that have even happened? Would they have even made up uh, or would they have even like posted that in the first place, right? Probably not. You know, just a couple of years ago, Two black women, Kayla and Kiana Davis, they became the two youngest people to own an established beauty supply store in the state of California. It was called KD Hair Care Supply. Um, and there was these articles going up on different, you know, black websites, uh, congratulating them and people cheering online because if you black, you know that that's such a big deal. But then eventually news had spread last year about how they had to close for good because suppliers, Korean suppliers were refusing to sell to them. And the person who, um, had tweeted that post about offering translating services, like they posted that like right after, like not too soon after, um, that news had broke out. Um, and black people on Twitter were engaging in a lot of conversation about it. Like it was hard not to see it. And so, you know, we were angry, we were hurt, we were sad, all these different feelings, but also, you know, not surprised, but there was discourse about it. 
Um, and it's like this context is needed, especially again, because people who don't understand black entitlement really out here, like, oh, you trying to say that person don't deserve money? Um, when the answer is if their clientele is black, then no, not from us, you know what I'm saying? Not from us. And if you have difficulty in comprehending that, then you still got hella anti-blackness to be working through. Black people are owed everything under the sun. And we don't even be demanding it in mass in our everyday interactions with people, despite the black entitlement that we should be holding on to. And again, like, that's not, you know, it's not our fault, you know. It's not our fault that we, you know, that some of us don't um, be demanding it. Some of us can't afford to do that. Some of us, like, are not encouraged to do that, right? A lot of us are not encouraged to to have, like, that type of um, mentality of being, being uh, you know, entitled because of our blackness and because of where we come from, who we are, right? And a lot of us are not encouraged for that. But I'm saying that a lot of us don't be demanding it in mass. And so it's like, we could be doing a lot more. Like, I mean, talking to like, you know, non-black people, we could be doing, we could be, you know, doing way more than what we have done and demanding shit from y'all. And y'all still doing the least that y'all could be doing, you know, y'all still doing nothing. Right. And I don't care if you're a person of color, if you're not black, then, you know, figure out how to pay each other. Right. And keep each other resourced. Figure out how to pay each other and keep each other resourced while free services are provided to black people in a sustainable manner. And this also shouldn't be some type of, you know, controversial statement. But if you're not black, then it's not our job to even care for your needs, right? It's a choice. It's absolutely a choice. We have to be prioritizing ourselves, aka like we have the authority to decide otherwise, like not you, you know what I'm saying? It's absolutely a choice. Um, and so if we choosing not to prioritize your needs, then okay, we have a right. And so black entitlement has become one of my absolutely favorite things to adapt and to also just encourage in other people, because again, it is not encouraged at all. Like, like I said, I wouldn't have gotten, I probably wouldn't have gotten to that point, um, until like, you know, my ancestors had, had said that, you know, and then I listened and I was like, oh, damn. That's true. That's right. You know, we are owed a lot of things and we should remember that and honor that. Yeah, like honor that for real. And especially in the next world when there's no more United States or colonial borders, you know, black people all over the world, black people, we deserve to be here and we deserve to be protected while we are here on this earth, right? It's a need, not just a want. And so, you know, remember that if you're black, Walk like you own the damn place, okay? If you if you feel comfortable doing that, walk like you own the damn place. Just try it. Try it, you know? Be entitled to spaces, the sidewalk, entitled to your body. Don't let white people touch you. Don't let white people touch you, girl. You can say no. You can just back up, you know? Mm-mm. Be entitled to food. Be entitled to nourishment. If you be, I know some of y'all be stealing, some of y'all be stealing from Walmart. I be seeing my friends online talking about, talking about how they be stealing. Um, <laughs> so if you be stealing from Walmart and other places and shit, okay, continue being entitled. Be safe, but be entitled to that shit as you should be. Why? Because Walmart's okay. They ain't actually losing nothing, but also because you black, you can do whatever, you, you can do whatever the fuck you want. I be telling my mama that stuff too. 
you know, like, of course, there's consequences to black entitlement. So be safe, right? Because we live in an anti-black world. Of course, they're not going to promote that shit. But, you know, us internalizing this type of ideology is so extremely powerful for us. And it helps to keep us safe in some capacities too, right? Black entitlement helps us set boundaries better. It helps us set uh, boundaries more firmly. And when we do that, it helps us know who we are. It helps us remember that. And it helps non-black people understand like their place and like how understand how they're supposed to be interacting with us too, right? Because when we set these boundaries, it helps um, us all remember, yes, we are existing in an anti-black world, but one, not for long. And two, y'all about to recognize me for who the fuck I am. The fuck? Get out of here. Get out of here, child. And, um, you know, so just spend some time writing it out, right? Or or just thinking about it. How are you going to practice Black entitlement in your day-to-day? How are you going to do that? Or what does Black entitlement mean to you? What does it look like for you? How are you going to practice it? I want to know. All right, y'all. So we will be right back after a quick break to talk about human supremacy. Sit back. Relax and be in for the ride. Entitlement that black people should have doesn't necessarily place us as superior to other species that we share this world with. I mean, also, like, the natural way isn't for that to even happen. Like, most of our indigenous ways push for harmony with the rest of nature anyway. Black people, black people have been highly qualified guardians of populations of this world, outside of this world, and between times for a long ass time. But I just wanted to offer some clarity on that. Like black entitlement doesn't inherently come at the cost of other species that we share this world with. And that goes into what human supremacy 
is, right? Human supremacy is a really dangerous ideology that asserts that humans are superior to other forms of life and that humans are meant to reign over and control and just dominate all other forms of life. And that shit is dangerous. That shit is colonial. And though it has existed before white supremacy dominated the world, the way that we experience it today is very much tied to whiteness and to capitalism. I remember the very first story I heard from um, an indigenous group in the world about the order of life was an Anishinaabe story. Paraphrasing, they was like, humans are at the bottom, girl. I was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know? Like I found out about the Year of the Rose by way of Herbal Freedom School, which was this online school for people of color only um, for studying liberatory herbalism and ancestral healing. And it's uh, been organized by Toy Scott. So, you know, shout out to Toy. I, I found out about this through Herbal Freedom School. Um, and this story is also accessible kind of online as well. And if you'd like me to pop you a link, um, then that's cute too. And I can do that. Um, but this story is online in the narration of Mary Cecil Genius. Um, and apologies if I mispronounced her name. Um, I couldn't find an audio version of her name. Um, but so it's by Mary Cecil Genius. And the year of Rose, the year the roses died, um, is the story from a very long time ago when the earth was still pretty new. And it's, you know, a time when, uh, a large amount of animals were really just, you know, depending on the roses for food, but there came a spring where suddenly the roses was gone. They weren't going to be growing that spring. And so there was this, you know, sudden great outcry among all these different animals. And there's like a whole council meeting that's organized. And there's ones in charge who are going around asking, like, who did it? Like, why the rose is not here, you know? Um, so you got the deer, the birds, the rabbit, raccoon, the wolf, the black bear, and other animals. They're looking at each other. And they're like, I ain't do it. But they're blaming other animals in the process, you know, because it's a really serious issue and they're trying to at least hold somebody accountable for what's going on because they ain't got no food no more and that goes on for a while and um at this point they're talking about punishing the animal who they think is the most at fault talking about killing the animal and in this case it's the wabo is the the rabbit and they even you know started they like broke off his tail as punishment until the manido the spirit that watches over that place comes through and is like what's going on and they talk to the spirit they tell what's going on and the spirit replies killing the waboos will not bring back the roses you all noticed that the roses were in trouble you all decided to take your own shares even if it meant killing the roses forever there is no honor in this this is not keeping creation in balance as you were told to do in the beginning time and the animals they knew that the spirit was right and they're all looking down and like pretty ashamed and stuff and the spirit then says that like they're gonna bring the roses back but this time um going to give the roses protection so that the animals won't be tempted to eat them up entirely again and the spirit also has said uh that is going to leave the Wabos, the rabbit, as he is, so that he will always be reminded of the disgrace of forgetting the balance, right? The balance of life um, and how they're all interconnected, too. And so, and like also, according to that story, it's supposed to be like why rabbits have such short tails now. But the lesson behind this is Mary, so Mary uses this story to talk about how it teaches the place of plants and the order of life on earth, right? So that in 
Anishinaabe uh, communities, it's known that humankind was the last group that was created, the youngest group, and therefore the most dependent of all the different forms of life. Um, and I'll read this quote from Mary too. So Mary says, plants are the sources of life, the source of life on this planet. Without plants, the rocks would not break down into soil. Without plants, to take the sunlight into their own bodies and by the use of chlorophyll, trap the light of the sun into a usable form of energy, no animal life could survive. Plants take in carbon dioxide and make oxygen for all animals to breathe. If, if the plants are not here, neither are we. We are all in this life together and to survive, we must all survive. The Anishinaabe have always believed that the ultimate good is a bountiful land that could and would supply all that humankind needs to sustain life. This planet of ours has four orders of life. And so then she goes to, you know, elaborate on like what those four orders are. So she says the first created the elder brothers, one, are the earth forces, the minerals, the rocks, the wind and the rain, and the snow and the thunder beings, and all of the rest of the beings we refer to as weather. Um and the Arizu Kanag, the grandfathers and grandmothers are ceremonies, songs, and traditional stories. So that's group one, right? Then the second one, the second created, the second brothers are the plants, the trees, the greeners, and the non-greeners. The third group created are the non-human animals, the four-leggeds, the um, flyers, the creepers, the crawlers, and those who swim. Now the fourth created, the younger brothers, and therefore the most vulnerable, are human beings. All four orders of life are interconnected. None can survive without the others except for those of the first order, and if they had to survive alone, they would not be happy because they could not do as Creator directed everyone to do in the beginning time. They couldn't take, they couldn't take care to see that all of life continued as Creator had intended. And this philosophy sees humankind as the weakest because they alone need all three of the other orders of life to survive at all. Humans are not at the top of the order of creation. Humans are not the lords of this earth. We are at the bottom because we are the most dependent. And to continue down this excerpt, she also says, we forget them to our peril, for we cannot survive without them. Only the rocks and the thunder beings and those other life forms of the first created order can survive alone. We are the babies of this family of ours, right? We are the weakest because we are the most dependent. We should remember that more often or the time will come when the rocks and the thunderers will be grieving and here on this planet, this beautiful planet all by themselves. And so ending ending the quoting of that. So this story in peace, this always stuck with me since I found out about it because you know, it's really important for us to be kept in check in how we navigate this world, especially when it comes to interactions with other species. We are all so interconnected, right? And like humans just have the most audacity to be the most dependent of all the forms of life on earth only to turn around and take advantage. And of course, like white people disproportionately have led these efforts that have turned into whole ass genocides against other species and extinctions and you know even other um you know genocides against other people but taking a step back especially as consequences of living under colonial rule like we're all capable at the end of the day of having and maintaining unhealthy relationships with the earth and with our non-human siblings and non-human elders right like the trees are our elders so are the rock spirits but 
you know, how much are we actually listening to them? How much are we actually protecting them? They be having whole ass personalities, you know what I'm saying? Like we, we gonna stop pretending like they don't. And we gonna stop pretending like humans really should be running every single thing, you know, as if we are superior to other forms of life on this planet. It just don't make no sense. It don't make a lick of sense, period. It really don't. And when I first read this, um, retelling about the Anishinaabe narrative of the order of life I was actually cracking up because I was cracking up specifically when I got to that part about the fact that um like we the weakest and that if the humans were all gone like the rocks would be just fine like the rocks and the thunder beings they would be just fine they would just be lonely like so not completely fine but I mean they would be you know what I'm saying I was laughing because that really put it more into perspective for me like humans do not matter Humans do not matter when the other forms of life that come before us are not honored and not uplifted. For real. And I was also thinking about human supremacy last month, too, but in a different context. I was making a flyer. Um, this is when I was making a flyer for that graduation celebration that I mentioned earlier. Um, I had asked myself, you know, what types of imageries do I want involved in it, especially considering some of what I had access to on the de designing platform I was using being a little limited for me. And I was adding like small images that reminded me of the sea, of water. But then I also found this beautiful ass lamp that you could tell was meant to be a reference to genies, aka Jin, which I've talked about in previous episodes, like episode five. Um, I added that lamp to the flyer and I was geeked because I was like, oh my God, like that's cute. And I could change like certain parts of it to make the colors of the other stuff I had going on. I was like, oh, this look good. It's look good. And as I was making it that evening, I kept feeling a little conflicted because looking at the, the finished product, it made me happy and it made me excited, but it also rubbed me the wrong way. And so I was like, uh-oh. I was like, uh-oh, okay, like, where is this coming from? You know, I was like, okay, I think I know what I need to check up on in regards to this flyer, but I ended up waiting to ask about it till the next morning, um, only to find out, like, when I had talked to um, the gin in my life, um, I was talking to them about it, and they were like, no, like, that's that lamp, it's a symbol of captivity, and every time you see those damn lamps, you know, to humans, to everyday people, to us, it may seem either just like a regular ass oil lamp or something like that, or something that reminds us of the oil lamp from Aladdin. Um, that's how, like, that's how we usually associate it with genies, like we know it from that story. But it's important for us to know that these are not okay symbols to use. They were like, you know, it represents captivity. Um, and like the reason why is because there's connections between Jin and some of their attractions to um, shiny reflective surfaces and the humans who have taken advantage of that. Like there's a lot of history um, uh, of that and of our like interspecies relations that have gone really just like downhill. Right. And this is truly just one example. This is one example. This is one interspecies relation, but it's representative of so much. And we talk about we talk about the human species arrogance and how we are constantly living out of harmony with plants and animals, thinking we better than everybody. And especially as part of capitalism, we'd be out here, you know, just trying to own everything. But we don't talk enough about human supremacy and its connections and impacts when it comes to 
uh, specific supernatural creatures and types of spirits that we still share this world with or have history of sharing this world with. And I'm always down to talk about this specifically because rebuilding with healthier relationships between humans and or human passing ass niggas and non-human supernatural beings and creatures is a part of my destiny. And, you know, it has consequently become uh, extremely important to me over time. Um, and in order for in order for any alliances to be made, you know, between us, between our different species, as there has been in the past, you know, that we don't even know about, right? There has to be healthy relationships that are established in any alliance, right? There has to be healthy relationships that are established. And you can't do that if you think your ass is, um, you know, uh, supposed to be dominating, uh, you know, ancestors of ours. The fuck? Like, or, you know, creatures who really got more power than you, girl. So what are you trying to do that for? You know? Um, so there has to be healthy relationships that are established. And, you know, that's what... Those are healthy pathways. Those are healthy passageways. Um, you know, part of part of recommitting to being healthier custodians of this planet, it, it means being unafraid. And it means being committed to doing this type of work, too. Even if it scares you. It's okay to be afraid sometimes, but you got to work through that shit, right? And, and especially if you are trying to work on being a healthier custodian of this planet. Because, you know... Shit is falling apart. Shit is falling apart on purpose, right? Um, And that doesn't mean, that doesn't decrease our responsibility to the earth by any means, just because that is happening. If anything, we have more responsibility, right? And so we have to be committed to doing this type of work with, you know, not only rebuilding our relationships with nature, what we know as nature, plants, rocks, trees, etc., but also with these with these different supernatural creatures and beings and, and types of spirits, again, that we still share this world with or have history of sharing this world with, the ones who are coming back, etc., and the ones who are still here. So, knowing that, what you gonna do next? Assalamu alaikum, y'all. Some of y'all might be interested in energy healing work, whether it's in person or long distance, that helps to restore balance to all of your bodies, your physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies, and also being able to connect with your ancestors and other spirits and hear from them too. Yes, all at the same time. This is one of my primary lines of work called an energy healing divination. If you're feeling called to it, go to my website at tayloramarilittle.com and you can go ahead and book me there. If you need tarot divination, I primarily do four different styles. You can go to my website or if you might be interested in any of my articles, my ongoing Building with the Ancestors 101 guide for Black people only, or inviting me for speaking engagements or to do any of my workshops, you already know what to do at this point. Just go to my website at tayloramarilittle.com. Amari is A-M-A-R-I. Also, supporting me through Patreon is something that I am returning to. So if you want to financially support me and help sustain the work that I'm doing, even if it's just a few dollars a month, you can do so at patreon.com slash controversial Tay. You can also be sure to follow me on Instagram at controversial Tay, Twitter at Miss Tay Amari, and you can pay me or tell your white and other non-black friends too, uh, as you should. 
tell them to pay me, okay? My Venmo, Cash App, PayPal are all on my website. You cannot miss it. My name is Taylor Amari Little. Thank you for listening to my podcast and have a black ass day, y'all.